Hey, good morning. Good morning. You should have more excitement because you're not homesick. Good morning. I'm not homesick. There we go. Hey, uh, welcome to River Ridge. So glad that you're here this morning. Um, you know, Preston and Savannah uh, just said it so well as far as the value of being on a serving team at River Ridge. It's helped them to grow. It's helped them to connect with other people at the church. It's also helped to further the mission that God has for us as a church. Uh, and so I would encourage you, if you are not plugged into serving, uh, to do that. When you walked in in your bulletin today, you got a little thing that looks like this. It says plug in today. Uh, so we've been doing this for three weeks, just talking about how can you get plugged in to River Ridge Church. So serving is a great way to do that. Uh, being in a Ridge group is a great way to do that. Giving is a great way to do that. And so you can respond in any or all three of those ways uh, on here and then just stick it in the uh, big oversized outlet receptacle in the lobby. Uh, and we would love to help you find a place to serve. We'd love to help you find a place to plug into the community. Uh, and if you'd like to get involved with online giving, we can help you set up that as well. So let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this morning. Uh, God, thank you just uh, that you meet us where we are. And uh, sometimes we come on a Sunday morning and things are going well, and sometimes we come on a Sunday morning and uh, things aren't. Uh, but no matter where we are, you meet us. And so I pray, God, as we look into the scriptures today, that you would meet us, that you would show us the things that you want us to know, the things that you want us to understand about who you are and your character and the things going on in our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So if you are new this morning or if you have not been here over the last month, we are wrapping up a series this morning which is titled Jesus Never Said That. And we're looking at a couple of different phrases that are sometimes attributed to Jesus, but they are things that he didn't in fact say. And then we're using that to say, well, what did Jesus say? And so this is our fourth and final week. There are a lot more topics that we could have covered about things that Jesus never said. You know, Jesus never said God helps those who help themselves. Jesus never said, you know, when God closes a door, he opens a window. Um, because especially like if you were on the 12th floor of a building, that'd be problematic to jump out the window. So, uh, but there's a lot of things we didn't cover, but today we're going to wrap it up. And if you missed any of the previous uh, three messages, encourage you to listen to those online or watch them online. But here's the phrase for today that Jesus never said. Jesus won't give you more than you can handle. Jesus won't give you more than you can handle. And we hear that phrase, or we hear that phrase, God won't give you more than you can handle, and it's attributed to Jesus. But in fact, Jesus never said that. And, and I think that sometimes well-meaning people, when we're going through difficult stuff, will say, you know, God, he won't give you more than you can handle. You can get through this. But the reality of life is, is that oftentimes we do feel overwhelmed. Oftentimes we feel like we are in a place where we have much more than we can handle. And we experience that in life. Experientially, we know that oftentimes we have more than we can handle. And I wanna illustrate it this way, that I've got some boxes over here. And so sometimes if you've got children, children overwhelm us. You know, if you've got little kids, like it's just exhausting running around after little kids, changing diapers, putting them in car seats, packing plays, naps, feeding them, all that. It's exhausting. You know, when you get a little bit older, you're, I'm saying when your kids get a little bit older and they're like, it's just, the, the exhaustingness changes from a physical exhaustion to a mental, emotional exhaustion. 
trying to figure out, you know, eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds and what they think and 15-year-olds and why they do this and when do I say yes and when do I say no and what do I keep them away from and, and they make decisions and things come crumbling down and their world comes crumbling. It's just like, it is overwhelming. And even if you're a little bit older and your kids are grown and gone, that can be overwhelming as well because you see your kids who are out of the nest and they're making decisions that you know are poor decisions. And you want to step in and say, don't do that. Don't go that direction. And then they do. And then you live kind of picking up the pieces. And that can be overwhelming also. Work can be overwhelming. You know, maybe for you, you're in a situation where you just have way too much to do. The demands on your time, you don't have enough hours in the day to finish what needs to be done and to finish it well. Or maybe you have a boss that's just overbearing. He doesn't care or she doesn't care about you as a person. He or she just cares about your productivity and the bottom line. You know, or maybe work is hard because of the person next to you in the office next to you or somebody you have to work with all the time and they're just difficult to be around. They're hard to be around. And coming to the office, it's just a downer sort of, uh, when you go to the office. Or maybe what's overwhelming and what you can't handle when it comes to work is that you don't have a job. Or maybe you have a job that you don't like, or you're out of work and you're trying to find a job that works for you and financially and that you'll enjoy. And it can be overwhelming. You feel like, man, I definitely have more than I can handle. How about marriage? Marriage can be overwhelming. Maybe you're at a point in your marriage where there's just fighting going on and constant bickering and you're like, ah, this is so hard. Or maybe you're in a marriage where it's like you're living in the same house and it's just like two people cohabitating and raising parents together and occasionally checking in on bills and there's not much there. Or maybe you're in a marriage where the trust has been broken where you've done something or your spouse has done something and you're not sure if you can get back to where you used to be because of the distrust that's in your marriage. You know, the flip side of marriage is singleness. You know, and maybe you're here this morning and you're single and you don't want to be. You want to be married. You're hoping that God will provide that guy or that girl that's the right person for you but here, Charleston, West Virginia, doesn't seem like that person exists. And so you're trying to figure that out. And that can be overwhelming as you wait and wait and wait. And guy after guy or girl after girl isn't the right one for you. And you settle, and that can be overwhelming. Or how about finances? You know, that can be a difficult thing. Maybe you're saddled with all kinds of debt. Maybe you've got things, bills to pay, things that came in that you're like, I don't have the money to pay for this. Maybe you and your wife, you and your husband aren't on the same page and it kind of adds to the financial stress of it all. I was talking with somebody in the office earlier this week and I was putting together these boxes with the signs and so forth. And back in the office, there's this box that's like I don't know, three feet by two feet by six feet. It has a couch in it that we haven't unwrapped, right? And the the person was like, you should bring that out to represent finances, you know? But we feel like it's like, these are small boxes. Like my box is huge of what we're dealing with. 
How about this next one? In-laws or outlaws, as they're sometimes called, right? That sometimes that can be just overwhelming, that they're always inserting his mom, her mom, his dad, her dad, always inserting themselves into your relationship and you don't want them there. I was talking to a friend of mine that lives in Oregon that was thinking about coming back here. It's like the in-laws in West Virginia are just too close, right? It, it can be stressful. And sometimes it's the other way too. Sometimes the in-laws are a problem because someone in the marriage is always going back to mom or going back to dad or you always, instead of dealing with what's going on in the marriage. Or how about feeling overwhelmed and saddled with home repairs? Something's always breaking, a, a leaky roof, a, a problem with the faucet, an electrical outlet, or whatever it is. Uh, or the other side is car repairs. It's like, gosh, do I sink another 300 bucks to fix this when it might be another 800 bucks next month? And it can just be overwhelming to try and figure all of that out. This next one is way too small of a box, honestly. It's health. That when you're facing health issues, if it's you, it feels overwhelming. If it's somebody in your family, it feels overwhelming. And sometimes it's a short-term deal and sometimes it's a long-term deal, but it's just more than we can handle. And the last one is friendship. Sometimes friendship can just be incredibly, incredibly difficult. When you're wounded by a friend or you wanna be part of a group of friends and you're kind of on the outside, or maybe you just struggle with loneliness and that can be overwhelming. That nobody, it doesn't feel like anybody is there for me. And you know, and I'm only five foot nine on a good day. I, if I was six, eight, I could have stacked a bunch more boxes on there. You know, we could have put doubt. We could have put fears. We could have put addictions up there. There's all kinds of things that we just feel overwhelmed with when it comes to life. But this is what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 40, verse 12. He wrote this. It says, for troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. And we feel like we're just stuck and overwhelmed behind this stuff that just stacks up and stacks up and stacks up in our lives. And so we know that experientially, we get into situations where we have more than we can handle. So what do we do? with that. When you get to that point where you just feel like you have more than you can handle. You know, sometimes again, well-meaning friends will say, well, God won't give you any more than you can handle. But here's the problem with that myth, with that fallacy. And it's this, is that fallacy can, can mess with our concept and our understanding of God. Because if we believe the myth that God won't give you more than you can handle, if we believe that, and then stuff gets piled on from marriage problems to finance problems to health problems to work problems. And now we're in a situation where we do have more than we can handle. We go, well, maybe God's not trustworthy. 
Because I thought what I signed up for when I became a Christian is that God wouldn't give me anything more than I can handle. And I have way more than I can handle. So maybe God is not so trustworthy. You know, the other problem with believing the myth that God won't give you more than you can handle is that the Bible is filled with characters who were given more than they could handle. This is what David said. He had the weight of his own sin, the weight of the the nation of Israel on him, other things. He said this. He said, my back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. That's David, a man after God's own heart. And he had way more piled on him than he could handle. Or there's Jonah. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah went the other way. He said, I can't handle that. And so Jonah came, or so God came alongside, had him swallowed by a big fish. And while he's in the belly of the fish, he says this. He says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice. He was in distress because there was so much happening to him that he couldn't deal with. And then let me give you one more. John the Baptist. Did God give John the Baptist more than he could handle? John the Baptist preached about who Jesus was and then he was arrested and then he was put in jail. And then there was this young girl who danced in front of Herod and it was Herod who had put John the Baptist in jail. So there was a girl who danced apparently beautifully in front of Herod and Herod was so impressed with her dancing. He said, ask me for whatever you want up to half my kingdom, ask me for whatever you want and it will be given to you. And so this girl goes and consults with her mother and her mother tells her something and then comes back to Herod and she says, I want you to give me John the Baptist's head on a platter. And it says this, Herod ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. So was John the Baptist given more than he could handle? Absolutely, absolutely. And so we are gonna have times in life where we have more than we can handle. Hopefully it won't turn out as badly as it did for John the Baptist, but God gives us more or God allows more than we can handle to come to us. But this is what Jesus said. Jesus said this, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He said, you're gonna be overburdened. You're gonna be heavy laden. And when that happens, come to me. He said in the gospel of John, it's recorded this way. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. Not you might have trouble. Some will have trouble. Some won't have trouble. You will have trouble. You will have more than you can handle. You know, all of us in this room, we could divide us into three pretty distinct categories and all of us would fall into one of these three categories. There'd be one group of us that we just went through something that was more than we can handle and it was awful. And then there's another group of us that would be, I'm right in the middle of something that is overwhelming that I can't handle. And then there'd be a third group of those who are going to go into something that's too hard that we can't handle on our own. All of us are in that. And so the question is, when that happens, not if that happens, but when that happens, when we have more than we can handle, what do we do? 
What's the solution? We're going to look at what Paul writes in the book of 2 Corinthians to answer that question. So if you have your Bible, over, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And basically, the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, um, there were a series of letters that the Corinthian church wrote to Paul, and then he would write them back and give them counsel or wisdom or instruction on what God says about a particular situation. So one of the things that they wrote them about, they said, we're just out of control in terms of having stuff piled on us. Persecution, affliction, they basically said kind of in these words, we have more than we can handle. And so Paul writes back to them, picking up uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul writes this. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. And so Paul is saying, I understand your troubles, that when we were in Asia, we had troubles that were afflicting us. So we understand the pain that you're going through. Then he continues, he says, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But that was to, and then I'll we'll fill it in in a moment. But the words here are so similar to what we deal with. Burden beyond our strength. They had more than they could handle. He even calls it, he says, a sentence of death. It says, he feels like we're dying here. It says the sentence of death. Then it goes on to say, well, why are you going through this? And what do you think is going to come next as far as why they were going through this? You know, is it that God wants them to see that they live in a broken world? Is it that God wants them to see that there are good things that they can look to, to appreciate what they have. Maybe it's God going to speak to them and say, well, this came to change the direction of your life so that you go this way instead of that way. It's none of those things. Listen to this. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That God allows more than we can handle to come into our lives. Why? so that we can rely, learn to rely on God and not on ourselves. And that, that phrase, if you look closely at that, it could end at that point. It could end and say, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God. And, and it would have been a complete thought to end it there. But Paul, Paul continues on and says, but on God, who, what? Raises the dead. In other words, he said, he's saying, I want you to understand that God is with you and that God is powerful enough to raise people from the dead. And that means that God is powerful enough to change your circumstances. And so for us, the first way that we handle life when we're overwhelmed is we invite God to move. We invite God to move. We invite God to change our circumstances. You know, no matter which one of these things it is, whether it's, you know, in-laws or finances or health or whatever it is, we say, God, this is the problem. And we invite him to move because he's the same one who has the power to raise the dead. He can certainly fix any problem that we have. So we invite him to change the circumstances. But the reality of life is that God doesn't always change the circumstances. Listen to what it says in verse 10. It says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. 
On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And it's that word, we have set our hope on him. The hope is not just he'll change my circumstances, although he may, and we wanna invite him to do that. But the hope is also that he may change us in the process of all that ails us, all the difficulties that we go through. This week, as I was preparing for the message, I did a search, just a Google search, and I typed in four words, I prayed, you answered. And I'm sorry, I typed the word Psalm or Bible after that. I prayed, you answered. And I was actually looking for examples of when somebody prayed and then God did a miraculous thing to change their circumstance. But I didn't find very many with that phrase. Instead, it pointed me in a very different direction of I prayed and you answered. This is what the psalmist writes in Psalm 138. It says, on that day, I called you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. You see, when we call on the power of God, it's not just to change our circumstances, but it's to change us as well. I love that phrase, my strength of soul, you increased. How do we get through life when we are overwhelmed? We need his strength of soul to increase in us. My strength of soul, you increased. Here's another time where it's very similar. This is Psalm 34. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. It doesn't say I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all the bad stuff that's happening, from my circumstances, from whatever it was, from the battle. From... It doesn't say that. It says he delivered me from my fears. And if you think about all the stuff that burdens you, all the stuff that weights you down, isn't it often it's the fear that's the most paralyzing? Oftentimes the fear is more overwhelming than the circumstance itself. And so what this says is he would deliver us from our fears. Here's the second thing that we do when we find ourselves um, with too much to handle is invite God to comfort. Invite God to comfort. I read you beginning of verse eight. I actually want to go back to verse three because Paul is addressing this whole thing uh, in this first section of 2 Corinthians. But Paul writes this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Two verses And it mentions the word comfort five times. God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, to be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort that we ourselves have been comforted by God. Five times. You see, part of what God is doing when we go through these difficult times is he is there to comfort us. He is there to be with us. He is there to walk through these difficult times, these valleys with us. I was challenged with a question this week and I'll challenge you with the same question. And the question goes like this. Would you prefer to be with God or the presence of God in the valley or the absence of God on the mountaintop? Would you prefer to be to be with God in the valleys of life or without God on the mountaintops of life. 
How would you answer that question? My answer would be, uh, I want both, really. I want to be, you know, with God on the mountaintop. Why is that not an answer that you're giving us? But, you know, and, and I ask that question not necessarily to tell you this is the answer, that's the answer, but I think that helps us to think about how much do we want the presence of God? Because oftentimes we feel the presence of God more we're in, we're in the valleys than we're in the mountaintops. That we seek after and search after God because we're in the valley. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to seek us, to seek him all the time and to seek his comfort all the time. But we often seek him more in the valleys. And so maybe that's a little bit why God allows us to go through these things that we can't handle on our own. Wants to look at one final way to help us respond when we have more than we can handle. This is also in 2 Corinthians. Turn over a, a page or two to chapter four. And Paul writes this beginning in verse eight. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying around in the body the death of Jesus so that, and we'll, we'll get back to that in a moment, what comes after. But this describes our lives, that we're crushed, excuse me, we're afflicted, but we're not crushed. Why? Because we are bringing God into it. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Why? Because God is in it with us. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Because we have more than we can handle, but we have invited God into this with us. And then it says, always carrying around in the body the death of Jesus so that, and listen what comes next, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Now that's not a phrase that we use a lot, the life of Jesus manifested in our bodies. But what that means is that so that our character can be conformed to the image of Christ, that Christ might be formed in us. And so part of the reason that we go through these valleys, go through these difficulties, is that Christ would be formed in us. So when you have more than you can handle, invite God to shape you. Invite God to shape you. So we're gonna go through these valleys. We're gonna go through these times where we have more than we can handle. And it's up to us to say, God, show me how you're shaping me. Paul, this is later in 2 Corinthians, and you can read on your own later in chapter 12. But Paul was known for having what was called a, a thorn in his flesh or a thorn in his side. And we don't know what exactly that was, uh, but it was some sort of ailment or some sort of issue that he had. We don't know exactly what it was, but it says on three occasions that he prayed that God would take that away. Three different occasions where he fervently pray, prayed and God didn't take it away after the first or the second or the third. And he was like, he was overwhelmed by it. He couldn't handle it. And he asked God to take it to change the circumstances but God didn't. And here's why. And he reflects on it in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited. He says that this difficulty, having more than I can handle with this thorn in the flesh, thorn in the side, I have that so that I wouldn't become conceited because God is molding my character. And maybe you're here this morning hearing this because there's something in your life that this is causing to have your character 
shaped as you go through one of these things or multiple of these things that are overwhelming to you. We're gonna close this morning in a little bit different way. And I'm just gonna pray for you. And if, if one of these things, I'm gonna kind of pray through these different issues and, and maybe one of these is something that you're facing. And if it is, this is gonna be my prayer, just that God would meet you in that. And then after that, the band is gonna lead us in a closing song. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you are with us in every difficult situation. And God, I I pray right now for those who are just in the difficulty and the overwhelmingness of children, that there's decisions to be made, conversations to be had, exhaustion that exists, whatever it is, Lord. God, I pray, I pray, God, that you would minister to those folks right now who are struggling with parenting. Give them strength Give them wisdom. Give them courage, Lord. God, I pray for those folks right now who are struggling with work, that they're in a job that they are overwhelmed by. God, I pray that you would meet them in that, that you would give them the strength to continue on. And if it's because of a coworker or a boss or somebody else in the job, God, I pray that you would fix that situation, take that person out of there. God, but in the meantime, Give the strength of heart, the strength of soul to endure. And God, if there's someone here right now who's struggling in in marriage, and God, I know that there are, I pray that you would give them the strength to endure, the strength to stick with it, to stick with the covenant relationship that they have with that other person. And God, I pray that you would make the marriage better, that you would give it more life, that the people would change. Lord, God, I pray for strength in marriage and endurance in marriage. God, I pray for those people right now who are struggling with finances. That it doesn't seem like there's enough to make ends meet. God, I pray that you would provide for them, provide for them financially and provide them the wisdom and the strength to get from here to where we know that you want us to be with peace in our finances. And God, I pray for those that have relationship problems, whether it's in-laws or friendships. God, I pray that you would meet people in those difficult situations. Give them the words to say when conversations need to be had. But God, strengthen them that we have these things and you want to come alongside of us. And lastly, Lord, I pray for those who are dealing with health issues, whether it's them or somebody close to them. God, I pray that you would give strength, that you would give encouragement, that you would bring healing. And God, until that healing happens, this side of heaven or the other side of heaven, Lord, God, I pray that you would give them the strength to carry on and to move on and to lean strongly into you. And uh, I've prayed over these things, but as you're sitting there and keep your heads bowed, maybe I didn't touch on what it is that's overburdening to you. I invite you now just to take a minute and just to bring that before God, to ask him to change your circumstances, but also ask him to change your heart.